0: Hey, balls of magic! Welcome back to our podcast. My name is Alex. I use they/them pronouns. You're listening to How to Be Queer. Hi,
1: Alex. Hi, it's Kim. My pronouns are she/her, and welcome back to How to Be Queer. This is your Pride Edition. It's been a hot minute. It's it, almost July, but this is this is what Pride Month is for a lot of queer people. It's, yeah. it's a sprint, a marathon, and a giant party and celebration and riot all rolled into one. Yes. How are you? Because really, we did some serious pride celebrating yesterday. How are you feeling?
0: We did. Um I was I was saying earlier that you really helped me find more of my pride. Yeah. And and just you being who you are and allowed me to also get louder and prouder.
1: You know, I think every year, and I would obviously say the same for you that that, you know, being with someone who is able to express such pride in their being and such bravery in their being, it does. It makes you be like, well, shit, I can do that too. It's accessible to me. And why pride festivals, parties, celebrations, um, speeches, talks, whatever it is mm-hmm. that you're you're doing to celebrate your pride, why it's so important. Because yeah. we need to be connected in in pride and joy. Yes. Um I feel like that was also a Stevie Ray song. Oh, my pride enjoys something like that. Anyway, yeah.
0: I I'm off topic. I mean, we're so like conditioned, right? Like in our heads and about being uh, the education and training, but that but that heart piece of like just remembering that we are energetic beings, and when you are in space with other people, we we change.
1: I, I definitely have felt that we have been in space of uh, a couple celebrations this month, including Juneteenth. Mm-hmm. We went to an amazing Juneteenth festival to celebrate being. Um, it's in, pra- in practice and celebration from Emancipation Proclamation and why it's so important to celebrate that as well. I, I, we actually have people in our town that thought it was a made-up holiday, and I'm like, oh my no, God. Juneteenth is not a made-up holiday. You? If you're looking for more information on it, this is not the podcast to get information on Juneteenth, but maybe just you know look it up. It is very real. Yes, um, but before we even get into anything, because it's Pride Month and this this weekend is traditionally held because it is the anniversary of the Stonewall Riots. Mm-hmm. I know we talk about this a lot on here but I think it's important just to give a we're going to give a brief recap of why Pride Month is when it is um and and just go over the history because it's important that we we acknowledge it but f- if you've been listening to our podcast or if you're new um Stonewall riots it's also known as the Stonewall uprising and it began in the early hours of on June 28th of 1969 this is um there was a a, a gay club in New York City called the Stonewall Inn it was in Greenwich Village on Christopher Street and a riot had sparked between the New York City police because they had raided it and the patrons in and neighborhood restaurants or neighborhood restaurants, neighborhood residents, it led to six days of protests. And so they say that this is the first, it's known as the catalyst for the gay rights movement. Yeah. Um, And there's a a lot of things in history that had been going on at that time, but it's in in there because I always think of Harvey Milk too, um, who was one of the the, key activists for us um, in, in obtaining gay rights but leaders like, this is Marsha P. Johnson, she was a black trans woman, Sylvia Rivera, who was a Latina trans woman, Stormy De La Verre, who I think we did an entire podcast episode about. She was a butch biracial lesbian, also known as the, they they rumored to be the person who threw the first punch. Fuck yeah. Um, and then also Miss Miss Major Griffin Gracie, who was a black trans woman, all New York City residents at the time, and they were the leaders of this uprising, um, but their lives and they had a lifetime of work after this um, in the LGBTQIA community and, and even not just the Stonewall uprising, but all of the work that they did after it deserves their own celebration. So if you are interested in learning more on um, on June 24th of 2016. That no, was actually yesterday. Yeah. President um, Barack Obama, he officially designated the Stonewall National Monument. And so this was making the first national monument to tell the story of LGTBQ um, rights. So... Pride Live, which mm-hmm. I didn't know much about this the next time I'm back home in New York City, I definitely want to go see this. But Pride Live, they secured the lease on 51 Christopher Street, and it is going to be transform- transformed into the Stonewall National Monument oh, Visitor wow. Center. That's fantastic. And so this will be the first LGBTQIA visitor center within the national park system. So in doing so, um, Pride Live is going to keep the Stonewall in, and the mission is to preserve, advance, celebrate the legacy of the Stonewall Rebellion. So, if you are in New York City, go ahead and do that. Um, th- this is the anniversary of the Stonewall, and it is the official LGBTQIA Pride Day. Is June twenty eighth? Okay. Um, interestingly, other things that happened in June, which also make June such a great month to celebrate Pride, is it is um, Loving Day. Loving Day is um, I didn't know about that. Yeah, Loving Day is interracial marriage, well, okay. Um, okay. which is in June. Yeah, and then um. Oh shit, my main, mind just blanked. The stoma. Oh, it is also when um I, I don't necessarily love this term, but when gray marriage or equitable marriage was also granted by the Supreme Court. Okay. Happened in June, too. So lots of things to celebrate. And, you know, we've, there's other things that happen around pride, which the commercialism and, and materialism and capitalism that is around it, which we're going to talk about Target in a minute. But I always think it's important just to acknowledge. Pride started as a riot. It continues to be a resistance. Um and people sometimes are like, "What are you resisting? And I guess that answer is different for every queer person. I think what I'm resisting is the lore of what that closet can be
0: mm-hmm.
1: of it is um that that heteronormative, dominant culture where, you know, we have a t- a very unique time in history right now. Where the human rights campaign is issuing um, warnings to us as queer people that there are parts of our country that are no longer safe for us to be. Um, I know you and I are not willing to even travel to some of those places because Mm -hmm. it's been um, Equality Florida had put out. Um, a warning to people saying this is not a safe place for you to be. it is not a safe place for you to live in in particular with you um, Alex of trans identity of us being parents to a trans child, which I know we're going to talk about later in yeah. this podcast of what we've had to do within the court system to be able to protect her mm-hmm. it's a weird so resistance to me means I'm never going to go back into a closet. yeah, I'm never going to I'm going to resist what it is that society had drilled into my head. I had to be, Mm -hmm. and I'm just going to be who I am and to find pride in that. And that in itself is an act of resistance. It is a, it is a Mm -hmm. statement. It is um, it is my one person riot every day that I do. And it's in everything from wearing, I always, I wear a rainbow necklace a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, We've got happy pride signs on the front of our house, um, I openly talk about being queer. I have your pictures, pictures of me and you and the kids and every place that people can uh, find accessible with me. And I'll never go back to hiding that. Yeah. And that in itself, I'm like, yeah. Like it just makes me put a fist in my hand and like you cannot force me into submission. Yeah. And that's what pride means to me. Yeah. What's it
0: mean to you? So many things. Well, I, I've i been kind of digesting this, this um, you know, we were at Pride yesterday, and and seeing on a poster, you know, transphobia and homophobia is a symptom of white supremacy. It is, and just really like, you know, I like sinking into the why and the where where we where we came from, and that the audacity of that our country and people people thinking that, you know, they're gonna make laws that well now you can marry the person you love. Yeah, <laughs> gee, thanks. <laughs> because we're going to deem you now worthy enough of a human to 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 do that. And it's so just like you know like you're saying like you're resisting this this dominant culture of who they want you to be and who they want you to and how they want you to feel. Mm-hmm. And I keep thinking about um and again, we'll get there with with the with what happened at Pride yesterday, but um you know, this anti LGBTQ and anti trans, it's really like everyone should be actually tackling a- a- being anti shame. Right. Like just be anti your own shame and you will see things so differently mm-hmm. and will actually allow you to love yourself and other people.
1: Yeah. I, I think, and I want to get to, um... I think that's so.
0: So to answer your question about the pride, I think it was seeing the shame about who I believed I was knowing that I was meant to be where I am now. And that, you know, I'm just, I'm proud because I,
1: yeah. Well, I, I think we look at this legislation that's happening and I think I looked it up the other day, we have five, 520 mm-hmm. pieces of anti-LGBTQ um, legislation on the books. That is, 560. 560. I mean, you know, you can ask yourself, well, why has this why has this risen? Because a couple of years ago, I think in 2016, it was only like 120. And we've talked about this on this podcast that this is purposeful, this is targeted. And I think where it all connects for me is that you have a party right now, which is the Republican Party, which is in four sort of fractions. And when I was ta- we were talking about this with my dad the other night, that there's these four different fractions of the Republican Party. And one of the tactics that's being used is we have to have somebody to blame. Like mm-hmm. there has to be an enemy. Mm-hmm. And you can you can look across oppressive cultures and you can see this pattern repeated. And um, I think it, my dad was saying, that he was listening to one where in the 1940s, this had happened as well. And where there's some, hey, we've got some, and you, you can. I mean, obviously, the most obvious one to look at is Nazi Germany, yeah, where it, you know it, it ended in a Holocaust and a genocide of of Jewish religion and Jewish identifying people, and not only. I mean, obviously, it was most impacted by the Jewish people, but there were lots of people that the Nazis targeted, and so it. I just hope that anyone out there can recognize that whatever is happening in our country it's nobody who is in a minority's fault. Mm-hmm. Like it's not the fault of gay people. Mm-hmm. It is not the fault of women. It is not the fault of migrants. It is not the fault of people of color. It is a white supremacist culture mm-hmm. that has you convinced you are somehow losing power. And so what you will do to go and dehumanize other folks to keep this power that you think that you have <laughs> is just, it, You you are then a victim of this thinking. Yeah. And you actually yeah. have the power to change it. And so let's talk about Target really quick. Okay. And then I want to talk about Pride yesterday because Target is a really great example. No. So Target, <laughs> I breath. know, I know. <laughs> Take geez, a breath. I'm like, yeah. for fuck's sake, Kim, it's Sunday morning. You could be just sitting on your porch reading a book, but no, <laughs> let's get into it. Um, it, You know... If you've been following what happened with Target, so Target historically has made every year they do a pride line.
0: Yeah, I I you, yeah, go ahead. Which I, we have shopped I, for years. Totally love it. Yeah, I have shoes. <laughs>
1: and so they kind of they kind of fucked it up. Yep. So I, as a as a reminder, allyship is not about being comfortable. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's not meant to be comfortable for people who are LGBTQIA, we're we're never really comfortable, unless maybe you're at Pride and then you are comfortable. So the point of allyship is that you are joining forces to amplify minority voices. And that means you're with us no matter what. Mm -hmm. So regardless of what some idiot is going to say about a rainbow, a rainbow on a (laughs) t-shirt, you can't back down. And so what did Target do? They had made their pride line. Um, typically their pride line has been in the front of their stores. Um, if you're in a super target, it, you would like walk in the side that's opposite the food, mm-hmm. like the grocery, and it and you know, right along with like Joanna Gaines, Magnolia Lane, like there's your pride store, right? Right in the front of the store. Target claimed that there was um like angry people that were coming in. They felt that the the lives of their employees who were in danger. And so they basically packed up all the pride shit and either moved it out of the store or moved it so far to the back. It's, you know, now I'm in like, what is it? Like the, the giant like rubber tub section. Yeah. Where like there's nothing cute back there. <laughs> like I'm not finding a candle or a cute throw or great pair of earrings. Like it's like right next to the raid bug spray <laughs> and like the Tupperware things. Like seriously. And so I I just, I was really disappointed in Target for making that decision mm-hmm. because allyship is not meant to be comfortable. Mm-hmm. If you are an ally and you are looking to be comfortable, you are not actually an ally. Mm-hmm. It is meant for you to sit in the discomfort of the people that are not sitting in the majority, mm-hmm. that you're sitting alongside of them and that you're using your power and privilege to bring an amplification to their life, their visibility. And so target when you moved us to the back of the freaking store you might as well have just like put up a nazi symbol and been like we're for white supremacy <laughs> like it's just ridiculous mm-hmm. and so i was really disappointed i'm also super disappointed in bud light mm-hmm. where they they i mean and talk about like a rollback so if you if you're unfamiliar with dylan mulvaney can you tell everybody who Dylan Mulvaney is? Oh, D- Dylan
0: is a, a TikToker. I I first s- saw her on on TikTok. Um she has like over 10 million followers now. She um documented her transition on hormone therapy on mm-hmm. TikTok and it just kind of made her her authenticity and her um humor and charisma and just overall
1: yeah, if if you're on TikTok, you'll know her as she would come on and say, "It's you know 165 days of living as a girl, like, being a girl, yeah, yeah, of yeah. being a girl, not or, living as a girl, being a girl, yeah." So
0: she was kind of like, yes. Yeah, so she's just very vulnerable and and speaks out um, about her experience and then how the things that would come back at her from you know Caitlyn Jenner and all sorts of th- all sorts, all sorts of stuff.
1: So Bud Light makes these cans and they put Dylan's beautiful face on it. Mm-hmm. And D- Dylan didn't even ask for this, yeah. right? Like they came to her. It's not like she was like I'm going to go get myself on a Bud Light <laughs> <Yeah>. can. <laughs> um so they they do a limited run. Um I believe this happened for Transville trans- Transgender Day of Visibility. This is months ago that it happened.
0: I mean, we could just say they they tokenized the trans person to yeah. to make themselves look Inclusive inclusive and that okay let's keep going
1: (laughs) so then you have people like Kid Rock who I can't even I mean when we're taking social cues from Kid Rock (laughs) I mean dude came up with like one hit song like 20 years ago Mm -hmm. ball with the ball which I I mean it's a catchy it's a catchy song and then he did a a, a remix of um, Sweet Home Alabama Yeah. I want to say, like, those are his claims to fame. Mm -hmm. And also, oh, he was married to Pamela Anderson.
0: Oh, he was. And some some duet with Cheryl Crow. That's That's like
1: all I know about this guy. And he is constantly looks like he needs a shower. Uh Okay. Like this is our claim to fame. Yeah. And it's like pictures of him like, like literally taking out a gun and shooting the Bud Like beers. Mm -hmm. And I and then, of course, everyone's like, let me get my guns out and shoot the beer. I'm like, (laughs) okay. If you are that fragile yeah. that you can't stand seeing a trans woman mm-hmm. on a can of Bud Light which I mean unless you're putting a lot of lime wedges in that Bud Light it's not even good beer mm-hmm. and you're 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 that fucking fragile that you maybe just don't buy it that month but you have to take a gun and blow it up what are we saying about ourselves yeah i'm that fragile that I can't. And I tell you what, I think there's something deep down there. Like maybe it's like, Oh, you maybe. And cause we've heard this from a lot of trans women who are on social media. Mm-hmm. Like you don't want to take a like take a picture of their DMS and guess who's slipping into their DMS all the time. Yep, And some of them are really funny cause they totally <laughs> expose it and they'll yeah. be like, Oh, so you didn't realize that I was a trans woman. And then the men are all freaking uncomfortable. Like, and then they've got to exert their, you know, patriarchal penis to everyone by blowing up Bud Light cans. And I'm like, oh my God, if you're that fragile mm-hmm. in your sexual identity, what are we saying? It's a beer can. Yeah. So I I just want to send all the love to Dylan because man, they they had to like hide for a while, which is really scary. Yeah. Yeah. The
0: the the yeah. Just keep going. Sorry. Keep. Yeah.
1: No, it's okay. I mean, I think that's, you know, I, I can't even, I cannot even talk about Ron DeSantis. I'm you know, trying I was to
0: go down, <laughs> go down a path with that. And I just, I'm just going to pause myself right now. All right.
1: Just can't. I mean, talk about fragile.
0: Yeah. I think, well, what I was going to say is, is the most, you know, the least aware person in the room takes up the most space. Mm. and so like I think about these white men and, and not all white men of course there's a lot of white men doing uh, white straight men doing do, doing some good work but also like they have the most privilege in the in the the power and um and I'm learning this to, I've, I've learned this for you know from you so correct me if I'm wrong mm. but they have the most power in the yeah. wheel of of power and privilege but they're like as a they're the they're conditioned to be so fragile. fragile. (laughs) And so when they get challenged, they cannot fucking handle it. And it's we obviously see it play out and then can't even self-reflect on, I'm being a dick right now. I need to slow myself down.
1: Oh, it reminds me of, I think it was last summer, we went to um, a friend's house and there was an incredibly fragile white man there. (laughs) You know, and let me tell you, folks, I'm a joy at a party sometimes (laughs) because I just don't give a fuck anymore. Mm -hmm. And and all of that conditioning that I had as a cisgender female, which reminder, saying that I'm cis is not an insult. But Elon Musk wants to make sure it's I mean, for for the love. I can't speaking of fragile white men
0: (laughs) who has a trans daughter. Anyway, moving on.
1: we can go there now yeah. and he's he's going to do a cage fight with mark sucker they're all fucking ridiculous so speaking of ridiculous white men last okay. year we went to we went to a party yep and there was a very fragile white man who clearly is not used to being confronted with a, with a female that was like, dude, what are you talking about? Because, you know, I love to play that role at dinner parties, invite me over anytime. <laughs> I know everyone loves me at a dinner party. I've had partners who I'm with in the past that have said to me, could you just not? Well, no, actually I can't. I can't just not. I'm, I'm here. I'm queer. I'm loud. I'm smart. I'm capable. Your fragile ass is going to have to deal with that. I might know more oh, than you. That part. <laughs> all of that. So in this in this chapter of Kim's life of times I could have shut the fuck up and decided not to. <laughs> he actually started to explain to me how healthcare works. Oh. That was a good move, dude. Because you know, I haven't had to be responsible for my healthcare since I don't know the age of like 23 <laughs> or 22 or whenever it is that you come off of your parents. Thanks mom and dad, healthcare <laughs> coverage. And he he has a queer child and has no understanding of how to support his queer child. And clearly, I don't know, maybe has never been in the room with females before. I don't know. He was actually wearing a backwards baseball hat too, which I'm going to tell you right now, white dudes, it's not a good look when you're like 50 and you're sitting at the table with your backwards baseball hat being like, I know everything
0: mm-hmm. because
1: really you don't and you just look like an ass. And so then when I called him on being an ass He doubled down on being an ass. And that's when he started to explain to me how healthcare works. And I looked at him and I literally said, thank you for explaining that to me. I had no idea. (laughs) And then held an uncomfortable gaze. That's when my daughter grabbed me and was like, mom, can we please just go? And I was like, yes, we can. Good night all. Bye. (laughs) Yeah. And then on one more note, because it's so much
0: fun. Okay. Do we want to talk about the soccer dads? Oh my God. Let's just, just, just little like drive by and then we'll keep going.
1: Okay. Before we do soccer dads, I do just want to say, we do have a lot of white male friends. Oh yeah. And family members who are like, who are amazing men. Yes. So it's not, so like, don't come at us with like, you guys just hate men. Actually, I don't. What I hate is fragile men.
0: Yes. The ones who can't circle back around and be like, oh, who i double down it. on their fragility.
1: Yeah. Let me explain to you how healthcare works, Kim. Well, gee, would you like to tie my shoes while you're at it? <laughs> okay. Soccer dads.
0: Cause this was, this was great fun. So this was on, on, on my birthday. Um, last month we, th- 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 there was a parent versus children, uh, soccer game. At the end, <laughs> end of one of our kids um, soccer season. And so, it was I don't know like what twenty parents yes. versus all the all the all the thirteen year old girls and it was super fun mm-hmm. but um, it turned into.
1: <laughs> Can I just give like a, a, a an audio like clue for people? Yeah, if you're familiar with the Bruce Springsteen song "Glory Days." I just started humming it. And then I think by the end I was actually singing it while I was standing there because we had some dads living their best life back on the field again. Can you explain, Alex, what we what we saw? And and folks just keep the song. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They days. were They were, I'll
0: just describe a couple of things that happened. They were stepping on their children's feet, <laughs> kicking each other f- for the ball. <laughs> Dropping some elbows. One guy was in flip-flops with a backwards hat and short shorts on. Oh,
1: and aviators.
0: And, and, and aviators. Because he's not like a regular dad, Alex. He's, he's, a, cool he's dad. a cool dad. He's a cool dad. <laughs> and then by the end of it, you and I were like <laughs> running around like fairies, just like Me. It was just not even worth like trying to get in their way because they just didn't want to, they don't,
1: they only wanted to pass to themselves. Well, and they would steal the ball from each other. other. I'd be like, "Um, okay, you're on the same team. (laughs) Yeah. And aren't you the same dad that's been screaming at his daughter all season on the side of the field saying you need to pass the ball, pass the ball. But yet when you came on and there's one guy in particular, again, I love to give you a visual. I need everyone to picture a white head of hair. It was kind of like in the style of the teenage boys where they do like the floofy in the front, right? He was wearing a soccer jersey. Yes, which I was like, oh boy, we got a live one over here. And he had some new cleats on. He did, and he, like him and this other guy, I'm like, they are gonna go at it with each other <laughs> And some weird homoerotic like <laughs> fantasy that they're living out on I their. I want to touch you, but I'm not allowed to. <laughs> sweating, sweating. Look like they just stepped out of the shower, sweating. And I'm like, sweetie, you haven't been on a soccer field in probably like 20 years. <laughs> But my goodness, I was like, just waiting for them to whip it out with each other and be like, who's is bigger. Yeah. Stealing the ball from each other. I mean, you and I basically like they started throwing and I was like, okay, so I'm just here to like run back and forth on the field. Mm -hmm. I'm not actually playing with you because you are playing with yourself.
0: Yeah. On a more compassionate note, I will say.
1: (laughs) You're in a much more compassionate place than I am
0: today. Well, I see, but I I see, I, I feel like, yeah, like, you know, being in sports for so long i've i'm i'm i've i've worked in fitness for for over 20 years is that you know the field is a place for men they can they're allowed to be intimate
1: oh right yeah
0: right there's there you know they slap each other's butts they can hug they can touch they can kiss they can you know regardless of sexuality they can show each other care mm. and so then it's like oh so you're like Your, your emotional wounds are playing out here because you can't do this anywhere else. I'm like, Oh, boyfriend, I know how you feel, but you play out on this field, what you're kind of lacking. And then it just makes me feel bad. Like you can actually hug your friend who is, who's a dude, you know, all the time you can, you can show intimacy to men, but we just don't do that for them. Anyway, back to making fun of him.
1: <laughs> Thanks for that interlude. I know you're right. And I'm also just in this place where I'm like, that was ridiculous. Oh, for sure. It was ridiculous. Yeah and embarrassing. Well, and 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 on that
0: same note, it's just like when it's when it literally I was afraid of getting Hit and snap yeah. and like hurt. So then I'm like, this is not this
1: this no nope no. Y'all are well, and are in too the much end, d- d- like the women just basically walked off the field. Like oh yeah. any of the moms are playing. We're like, yeah, we're done, yeah. and they kept going. They did. And they and they didn't even have a team that they were playing against because all the girls left the field. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, so now you guys have basically alienated anyone else, even including your own children, yeah. from participating in this. Everyone's left left the field and you're just sitting here, again, playing with yourselves. <laughs> playing with yourselves. So I'm just going to say it felt very Elon Musk, Mark Zuckerberg. It did. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, who's got the bigger one? And then I think, Alex, I'm like, how... It may honestly like, and this is where I will tap into some empathy. Mm -hmm. How sad. Yeah. Right. That you are, you have been conditioned in a way that it's all about being the big man. Yeah. And really what you all realize is that you're not. Yeah, And this is how it, this is how it plays out. And well, let me see who I can oppress and hold down to make myself feel better. Mm-hmm. I'm like that is a really sad, isolating, lonely, depressing way to go through this world. Mm-hmm. It just is. Well, and in our, one of our favorite shows,
0: Ted Lasso also on the, that note of soccer, mm. you know, they really did a great job of, of kind of highlighting.
1: The, the intimacy of sports. With yeah, each other.
0: And, yeah. And, and, um and the anger and the the loneliness and the abandonment that you know these male athletes feel like for gosh we could go down a whole a whole you know avenue there but um
1: well i'm going to take us like a little bit on a detour too because a lot of times when we talk about white women specifically being such a problem in equitable spaces and and gaining equity it's because white women are emulating what they're seeing from the patriarchy that has Oppressed them. Yeah. And you take on the same characteristics of it, but cloaking it in this I'm a feminist. Mm -hmm. And that's where it becomes so problematic because you're really not actually for the advancement and equity of all women. You're still doing it in a way to amass power for yourself. Yeah. And that's like the power dynamics that come into it. We talked about this with a friend of ours who. Well, well, we read this book, "End of Men," Mm -hmm. and it um, was—I swear to God—we really are not these like man haters that we sound like right now. But the book um, was—it was really fascinating because it was written before the pandemic, Um, and the author even said, "Like I never in a million years dreamed that like I wrote this book and then a pandemic happened." Yeah. Um, But in the in the book, it's a pandemic that only um, impacts men. Mm -hmm. And I think it was something like 90 some percent of men, the, the population of men, like they, they die from this, this virus. And one of the things that she talks about in this book is that, you know, there's certain aspects of the world that get a lot better. Um, because women are in control. and then there's certain aspects of the world that don't. yeah. and some of it was because women start emulating the same patriarchal suppressive yeah. culture that was done to them. Yeah. And so when we talk about like white women and why it's so white feminism is so dangerous, that's why. Yeah, okay. Well, it's one of the reasons why, but I just wanted to, to we could do a whole, we could do like 20,000 podcasts on that topic alone. But if you're interested in reading more about it, I can put, I think we have social media things that I can put books in, yep. but Kate Mann, um, M-A-N-N-E, she writes a lot about this, about white women and privilege. And if you're a white one being like, I don't understand, like, why am I problematic and I'm being told I'm problematic, you need to read some of her books.
0: Okay. Okay, I'll put it in the in the description for the podcast today. Can we pause for a minute? Yeah. Okay, we'll
1: pause and we'll be right back. We're back. Oh, we're back. Okay. Hey, so um, I, right before we went on break, I was mentioning a couple books. I'm just gonna read those off. Um, so White Women, uh, Regina Jackson and Sayara Rao, mm-hmm. um, The End of Men, which is Christina Sweeney Baird, I think B A I R D, and then um. Kate Mann, who is M A N N E, she did Down Girl, The Logic of Misogyny, and Entitled, which is um, a little bit more about uh, male privilege and how it hurts women. Um, and then she also, yeah, wrote Down Girl. So, really, really great books. Um, to read, it especially it, I'm just going to put like a little bit of a trigger warning on entitled specifically. She wrote this after Brett Kavanaugh, okay. and if you remember Christine yeah. Blasey Ford, um, so if you uh, have had an experience that might be similar to Christine Blasey Ford, it can be a little bit triggering to to read. But um, just understanding some of the things we're talking about, some really good references there for you. Okay. Okay, Alex, let's talk about Pride yesterday. Ooh, it was so fun. <laughs> was fun but you i want you to so do you want to share who like who invited you there what you yeah. did
0: okay so i got invited by the denver dyke march um organization to speak and about and i asked them like you know what do you want us to talk about there were i was one of a, um of several performers and, and speakers and they said um just talk about your experience being a parent who's trans to a trans kid and mostly bring hope to um, the world to um yeah, it was very kind of like,
1: it was like a dual role for you.
0: Yeah. And so, you know, it was such a kind of broad topic. And I was like, Oh gosh, I could come in at this in, in so many different um places. And so um yeah, I, we did the March and y- you and I were walking down Colfax mm-hmm. with the group and kind of was holding your hand and just had, Um, I was trying to th- name like how I was feeling. I was yeah. like, I don't, I don't really know. Like I'm so happy to be here, but I also don't know how to like name this. And, and then I just, so I turned to you when I often do, I'm like, you know, anchor me <laughs> Yeah, kind of think. And you, and you said, Oh, I'm just emotional. I'm like, right. That's exactly what it is. It's just, I'm so happy to be here. I have so much pride and then also um when you get to be in those spaces and you don't actually get to be in them very often how for, for lack of a better word like jarring it can feel and um and then the the longing that like I want this to be every day. I want to yeah. come down to this stuff kind of like every day. But so anyway yeah. So I wrote a speech and I called it being trans in an anti-trans world. And you
1: gave this speech on the Capitol
0: steps. I gave, okay. Yes. Thank you. I gave the speech on the Capitol
1: steps. Which is a big deal. Yeah. Right. Because that's, I mean, we're, you were just looking at a map a second ago while we were on break, like to, 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 you know, Colorado is, is absolutely um, a safer state to Mm -hmm. be in for lgbtq and in particular trans identity and trans kids Mm -hmm. um but yeah you gave the speech on the capital steps yesterday which is a big deal yes congratulations thank you and i think you're going to share our your speech because we want everyone to hear it yes and then we'll talk a little bit about some of the stuff that's in there because there's some definitely personal updates from your experience as a trans parent.
0: yes okay go for it all right While I'm very proud to be a transgender, non-binary. Oh, hold on. Let me start over again. Okay. While I'm very proud to be transgender, non-binary and queer, I'm also extremely proud to be of being a parent to a transgender child. Alongside my wife, Kim, are four dogs and four dogs, four kids and two dogs, Rosie and Bo, knowing that I am trans and non-binary, put air under my wings and rerouted electricity to my heart. My agenda is to be visible, which f- frames the impact I have on the world. In the 1960s, the Stonewall riots were led by the courageous acts of many queer people of color, including community leaders Marsha P. Johnson, Sylvia Rivera, Sh- Stormy DeLarvery, and Miss Major, accelerating us towards the pride we know today. <clears throat> Their insistence, persistence and consistency offered us a sense of belonging for freer expression, reducing isolation and calling in opportunities to expand our world. But growing up in Dublin, Ohio, I didn't know about any of that. The omission of these pivotal LGBTQ historical events made my world feel dark and lonely. So it's healing to be here. Before I came out trans, my daughter did. She was six years old when she announced at dinner one night I need to tell everyone something. I am a girl. Hearing her words dislodged something inside my rib cage. That's the power of authenticity. When one person transitions, everyone transitions. A kid has no reason to hide until they learn they have to. My daughter was doing her job, being a little girl, eating chocolate ice cream as often as possible, playing with Legos, jumping on the trampoline with her sibling and engaging with her world. I realized I had been living and standing on the door, doorstep of life, witnessing her. I heard move. You have to move. Believe in yourself. One step became an entire dance. And years later, my daughter said she knew she was trans because of a very easy and simple conversation that I'd had with the kids, teaching, teaching them that what each letter of LGBTQIAP stood for, T fit her. I see how some people in groups insist schools not teach LGBTQ history. When I hear they don't believe in teaching LGBTQ history, it just shows me how little they believe in themselves and others. The discomfort they show on how to talk about a queer identity clears their perspective, clouds their perspective, and a chance to connect. The actions they take to de- de- diminish us using the word transgender as a weapon for power hurt. It hurts. They're right about one thing. The word transgender is tremendously powerful. It carries so much power when spoken with pride that no one can take that away from you. It was the, it was the shame and self disgust that they wanted me to feel about being trans that silenced me. Once I learned how to speak to the shame, I gave myself an incredible gift, the space to move with who I am, so shame could not exist to hold me down. The same words have a different impact depending on the beliefs of the speaker who is driving. Words can be weapons to dismiss and destroy or tools to build and connect. The world set me up to be a cishet parent to a cishet kid, so being a trans parent with a trans child, I had to learn how to play a different game on the same field. I quickly learned that not everyone gets access to, to equitable play, and that's just not okay. There are states in our country that are doing things that make b- building a team for their kids and families as difficult as possible. It wasn't my daughter's identity that blindsided me. What was so blindsiding was how ne- how naive I was to the systems built on dysregulation I found that the only way out is all the way in, daring to care about all of humanity. Some people get upset about their pain, which keeps them down. As entire states neglect and reject their citizens, my daughter's most dangerous bully, her other biological parent, was right in front of me the entire time. I learned about the existence of the emotionally and psychologically abusive family system that was infesting my own home. It was clear that participating in growth and transformation was not something he was interested in trying to do at the time. That this surprised me because he's a teacher responsible for the growth and development of children. Time and time again, he shows up too fragile to hear anything of his own child's lived experience. Over the past five years, my, my wife and I have gone to court multiple times for the well-being and care of our daughter. A judge granted us sole decision-making rights, removing the privilege from her other parent to make medical, psychological, and emotional decisions. He blocks access and care, displaying an 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 inability to make fit decisions that uplift and support his daughter. Most recently, the judge restricted his parenting time because we had enough evidence to prove to the court that having parenting time with him was emotionally and physically dangerous. Transgender people across the country are being denied access to the to live their own best life because they don't have enough to prove to a doctor to their family or to a therapist. So if we decide to not hide, the next hurdle is revealed as we walk upstream against the heteronormative dominant culture. Even after he lost decision-making rights and parenting time, it did not stop him from moving with an intent to, to, to destroy. Through his constant filing of motions, writing letters to judges saying he was going to have me thrown in jail, harassing us to pay him thousands of dollars, creating disturbing social media accounts to attack my mental wellness, reporting medical, legal, and mental health providers to their licensing agencies for doing their job, threatening them with lawsuits if they supported my daughter, and using transphobic, abusive language in front of us, in front of the healthcare staff deliberately deadnaming and misgendering us, dismissing the knowledge and the guidance of the healthcare professionals, and even filing a motion for paternity, telling his daughter he might not be her parent after she started a certain part of her transition. Learning how to move through the legal system took on entirely new meaning. The U.S. Gallup report estimates that roughly 7.2% of the entire population is LGBTQ, LGBTQ, and recently, the UCLA School of Law Williams Institute published a study <clears throat> of about two million transgender people ages thirteen and older. So we know there are more if we include kids under the age of thirteen, like my daughter. We are surrounded by states who block trans health care and people are flocking to Colorado for a safer healing haven. It's well known in the medical and in, in the mental health community that you can't heal where you're being hurt. These states with their anti-LGBTQ and anti-trans narratives lack the awareness to see how much they tell on them themselves. They are, by by definition, a bully, someone who intentionally causes harm, someone who lacks courage and self-awareness to to know any other but other world but their own. We are fortunate here in Colorado. Sorry, excuse me.
1: Here, do you want a sip of water? Here. here. We are fortunate here in Colorado. Keep going, babe.
0: We are fortunate here in Colorado, yet the human rights campaign declared a state of emergency for LGBTQ Americans for the first time in its 40-year history. We're supposed to be united. So as states push the anti-LGBTQ legislature, families are uprooting their lives, leaving their homes to find physical and emotional safety for their children. I get it. I've done it. At their core, they want you to believe that you are unlovable because of who you are. And that's just not true. Anyone who makes you believe that you are too much or not enough or unworthy, anyone who calls you names for being you and purposefully blocks the care you need, call it what it is and no, it's definitely not love. Love wins because it it exists to move, to reveal, to seek, unearth, explore, and expand just like you. So what to do? You're doing it. Stay curious and bold and loud with your trans joy. Keep showing up to find others who lift you up. Be visible when you can. Rest when you need to. Tell your story. Tell it over and over and over again until you speak from the scar, not the wound. Be big and bright and loud. Be proud of how far you've come. Hold your head high. Take up space. Walk into every room knowing that you belong everywhere because that you belong everywhere you go because you are the love.
1: Well done. Thanks. How did you feel giving that yesterday?
0: Um, It was very healing. Um, The words that come up are grounded, Mm -hmm. just really just like, here I am. Yeah, you delivered it like a boss yesterday. Yeah. I have a little I put it, I put the speech on our website on how to com in the blog. And I have a a photo underneath it that says protect trans kids or I'm gonna identify as a problem.
1: <laughs> so I wanna I'm gonna ask you a couple questions about some stuff that you had in there because we um in the in the spirit of for uh other parents, yeah, um who might be trying to navigate the world of trans care for your kiddo? Um so one of the things that we have talked about on this podcast, not not as much because it 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 just is not something that we want to give space to a lot, mm-hmm. is the biological parent, and I use that word lightly with him, right. The biological parent of um almost twelve year old. Yeah almost twelve twelve year old is the is the kiddo you're talking about in the speech. Mm-hmm. And the if folks have been with us for a while, they will remember we went through a fairly intense court case almost a year ago. It was August of two thousand and twenty two. yeah because why I, it still doesn't necessarily make sense why we had to go through this because usually in divorces, um custody of children gets split 50-50, 60-40, whatever it is that's going to work in the best interest of the children. And your um kids biological father has been irresponsible in so many ways with just basic care for the kids. Yeah. I I I don't know how to say it more succinctly than that.
0: Yeah, just b- basic neglect and care.
1: And so yeah. things from um, I can't get them to and from school, I can't get them to and from activities, I refuse to pay for anything that actually supports them. It's and then if people remember, and you can always go back and re-listen to these if you're interested, if you're not, just take this the synopsis. But basically everything has been found in your favor. Mm-hmm. He has dragged us into court numerous times at this point mm-hmm. and the the court system. It is expensive. Mm-hmm. It is confusing. Mm-hmm. Um, it is it is it, it, it's just a very cumbersome process to be able to do. He represents himself
0: mm-hmm.
1: and continually files motions. Um, in August of 2022, it was found that you should have sole diso- decision making, um, for the emotional well being and psychological well being of. Our twelve-year-old, almost twelve-year-old.
0: Yeah, I'll say real quick. Like the the court case got, I think, initiated because he wouldn't sign for take his parenting time. Mm-hmm. And I I informed my lawyer. I'm like, oh, we need to tack on mm-hmm. decision making rights because
1: this these things are happening. It was very smart the way that you did it. Yeah, but it, it, yeah, I mean, essentially, the day before the kids were supposed to go to school in 2022. Mm-hmm. He threw a fit because I which none of us understand to this point to this day um and refused his parenting time, didn't see the kids for like eight weeks to try to prove a point. Um, and then it, it has just been really increasingly difficult to deal with, has created, um has stalked us, you know, listens to this podcast, has sent us. 28 page documents of like how many times we have sworn on here. Like it's just, it's ridiculous has created social media accounts where he's using almost like a German accent Mm -hmm. Um, has pictures of you with like your face split into has pictures of us um like sitting on a sofa cuddling together like it's 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 creepy we've had to report him numerous times to our local police station who have called him and have said if you do one more thing we're going to get you on domestic violence because this is harassment Mm -hmm. it's just been ongoing 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 and then and then leading up to the trial tried to blackmail us for like fifty thousand dollars to just make this all go away like we're not dealing with someone who is is acting in the best interest of the children yeah um so we get to where our, our our kid is at an age where for transgender care of kids for gender affirming care which mm-hmm. is life-saving yeah. to a person of trans identity. Yeah. We get to that space. Yeah. And you have sole decision making for her but he continually was inserting himself to try to block that care. Yeah. Um and I know I'm kind of rushing us through it because we don't necessarily want to spend a lot of time here. Yeah. Um because it's painful and quite frankly he doesn't deserve the airtime. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm sure we're going to get an email of some phony cease and desist after this even no, though I'm we never say anymore. his name and yeah. we don't really
0: care. It's hot air.
1: It's hot, a bunch of hot air is what we've learned. And so he was showing up at doctor's appointments, he was scaring um the people in the doctor's office, he had to be removed. He had showed up at um, your attorney's office. He had to be removed. He has threatened um, the therapist with phony lawsuits. He's refused to pay them. He's had to be removed. Like It's just these these constant attacks. And then also started feeding um, our, the chi- our child false information about what would happen if she transitioned. Um, her bones were going to turn gummy. She was going to be, and she started to exhibit physical manifestations of stress yeah, which then you intervened and filed a motion saying this kid can't go back here yeah she's literally in a ball on the floor, constant um digestive issues at the fear of having to be around him yeah so you take him to court yeah and you win again. yep <laughs> again being the key word you win again yeah but this is what it has taken to be able to provide the space that this child is needed to flourish. Um, And so you win again. And the judge found that she was, in fact, in imminent danger being in his presence. And he has lost all of his parenting time unless he submits to psychological counseling, which he has to pay for. Mm -hmm. And so far has not made any progress in that. Um, We're not sure that he's going to because he is, I, who knows? And I'm not even going to project to know why, but I think what's important to highlight for you as not only a a, a person of trans identity yourself, but the care and understanding of centering who our child is. Mm-hmm. Um, You are at this point, an expert on navigating what care looks like the different roadblocks that you have to go through. And even in a state that protects gender affirming care, yeah. it's not necessarily easy to get it.
0: Yeah. I mean, there was one couple, couple times I literally had to t- tell, you know, the, the healthcare, the medical professionals, you need to stop letting him scare you. Right. Like, and then them kind of being like, Oh, right. And I'm like, it's just, he's threat. Yes. He's threatening you with all sorts of things in this. And so it, like I'm advocating and I get, and, and and I get it. Like, you know, your own lived experience, like you're, av- you have to, it's, it's the co-responsibility. So I'm relying on the doctors and the medical, you know, professionals for, for a sense of care. And then I'm having to step in and be like, here's how the nuance of transness is going to affect all of this.
1: Mm-hmm. And so we're, we're at a place now where um, she is, she is with us a hundred percent of the time. Mm-hmm. She is not forced to go to into her abuser's home. Yeah, she's thriving. She and she's thriving. Yeah, she's thriving. Uh, somehow, all of these issues that she was having—chronic backaches, neck pain, stomach issues, digestive issues—they're gone. Yeah. Um. She's definitely been more. She's just happy. She's just like a happy, normal kid. Mm-hmm. Um. And so I just, I really, I have to say, it has been there is a i think i think i think for all of us where when you're not a lawyer and you're not like in the legal system all the time that people can file these motions and send these things and it can invoke a, a feeling of fear. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, am I in trouble? Oh my god, am I in trouble? Yeah. And this the strength that you and I both had to have to say no. Like enough. Yeah. You need to stop. Mm-hmm. You can threaten us, which is more than likely what's going to happen after this podcast. All you want. Yeah. Your words no longer hold any power. Yeah. Your threats no longer hold any power. Yeah. And what that has done since you stood with your child and now she's flourishing. Yeah. I say this with a lot of empathy because I know that there's a lot of parents out there that y- you might not be getting the support from your co-parent that you need. Um, you will get there. Stand with your child.
0: Yeah. And the the dynamics of domestic abuse you know there can't be two abusers it's it's one person holding power and control over the other and how emotionally you know abuse re- re- rewires the brain um and so you're overcoming your environment Um, your external environment, maybe within the home and what's happening in the world. And you're also having to overcome your internal environment of like what, what they want you, how they want you to stay small and quiet. And it's just like, yeah, no, no.
1: Yeah. I will say that is one of the things that I really had to learn from you as we went through this process is that even though like I joke around that my book is going to be called why you don't want me to come to your dinner party. (laughs) Like I'm like any other, I'm like any other person, right? That when you when you when you threaten me with legal action, there is a a person inside all of us that has been suppressed and to a point where you're like, fuck, is yeah. this real? And here's the thing: it's it's financial abuse is what happens because they keep pulling you. Like we will be in a trial with this person. I think I counted, it's going to be four times in a calendar year, and for no reason other than they're obsessed with money they're obsessed with control mm-hmm. even down to controlling the identity of their child yeah and they keep losing and at some point you just want to shake the person and be like just stop
0: yeah i mean in the, in the last i just on on that note you know like trying to still control my identity
1: Oh, dead naming you. Like, I'm I mean, like,
0: you can say whatever the fuck you want. Like, I know who the fuck I am and and
1: Well, and that's terrifying to a person who doesn't. Right. Right to be right. confronted with someone who is so strong in their identity and where they're headed and because when you are, you are also able to center the identity of those around you. Yeah. Right? You don't feel the need to control anyone else because you're in full control of yourself. Yeah. He is not. No. Um, I will say, I mean, we definitely like it's, it's, it's heavy and it's been heavy. And and we have also found some moments of, of, um, of life with this because mm-hmm. we do keep winning. Yeah. I wish it didn't take what it takes. Yeah. I think it's just
0: been, you know, this, this dance of like in life where you're constantly having to hold light and dark at yeah. the same time. And that, you are the balance between the two mm-hmm. and um and that when you once you once you see what you see once you get in there um there's no turning back and then you're you're witness to all of this dysregulation and and how our our humanity just
1: it's so easy to operate off of fear because it requires it requires no work. I, I want to just highlight one more thing that we learned from this trial. And this is a little bit about allyship and and when we co-sign people, yeah. And so through this process of getting um decision making for not just decision making for our for our kid for uh, emotional um psychological well-being, but also that she did not have to go to her father's home anymore,
0: yeah.
1: um. You know, you go you go to a trial, and you're both able to name um representatives of of who you are to sort of make this case to the judge, for the judge to take in all the information and decide where this kid should be, which you won. I want to note that the kiddo's father brought in another another man <laughs> who teaches with him.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes, please. yes to Keep
1: to going. to speak on his behalf. And this person could only say, I've never heard him yell at the students in the classroom. And what I would love to say to this man of you just co-signed a person who from our CFI identified him as so angry that he should never come in contact with you. That he should never leave psychological therapy that he's receiving, mm-hmm. and who has also now lost access to his kid. Mm-hmm. And you, as another teacher and authority and power figure, came in and said he should get to keep time with his kids because I've never heard him yell at a student in a classroom. Mm-hmm. So let's just name it. First of all, that bar is so incredibly low and pathetic that you just said. Mm-hmm. And secondly, that you think yelling is the only way, like something would be deemed as inappropriate, scary, threatening, or aggressive. Mm-hmm. That's how low the this man set the bar. Saying clearly, bio dad is a success because I've never seen him lose his temper. Yeah. Have you never heard of quiet rage? Have you never experienced quiet rage? If that is the level that you're deeming him an acceptable parent. That is pathetic, and you are an upholder of abuse,
0: yeah, and that's the dynamic uh, that children are put in. you know, um, the guy test- testified saying that he asked the kids in front of J- in front of um, Biodad, well, has your dad ever yell at you? and and of course, a, a victim yeah. will not expose their abuser when the abuser is present because you know what will come.
1: You after. know what's gonna happen you to you. You know what's gonna
0: happen to you when when b- behind closed doors, when no one's watching, that it's just so like to put a child in that position is just not okay.
1: Which is what this so I I I you know, this is this is the the, the all of the information that we put out there so that in some way, if you are a person out there that is struggling through this, you are not alone. Keep yep. going, reach out to us. Yeah. I will say, like the one thing you and I have had in our corner is that we have been able to um, have a lawyer, even though he is he has threatened our lawyer so many times <laughs> that the Colorado Bar Association had to intervene and ask him to stop and that they refuse to open his mail yeah. that he sends them. So, it, it, but we've had access to a lawyer, which does come with a huge amount of privilege of understanding how to access legal care, yeah. how to pay for legal care and have somebody help you navigate the system. If you are not in that situation, you need to reach out to us because we will share every single thing that we have learned. Because it is a very confusing, time-consuming, money-consuming process that not everybody has the ability to access. Mm -hmm. But to those people, to that one man in particular. And it doesn't even matter because biodad lost. But I this is where allyship just becomes so incredibly important. Yeah. Um, It's not supposed to be comfortable. And I recognize for bio dad's colleague, it probably wouldn't have been comfortable to say, hey, I actually don't really know about your relationship with your kids. I actually don't know anything about this. And I see you a fraction of the time in your life and actually don't really witness you with your kids. I understand that that would have been uncomfortable to do because you have to continue working with him. But just think about what you (laughs) co-signed. I've never seen him yell at the students yeah therefore he must not be an abuser, yep that I hope all, that I yeah, all that right there. yep. How do you feel it's been um about a month, mm-hmm. almost to the day mm-hmm. since you won that court case. How do you feel today?
0: um, proud mm-hmm. um, I think, you know, you and I actually tried to talk about it or I tried to talk about it on um, a previous episode that we never even like published. And I think I just couldn't, I hadn't processed it and I just look back and I'm like, I, and today, I just feel so proud of all of it. Absolutely. You should. Yeah. And, and then recognizing that, you know, the gratitude of, of, of being where I am and, and everyone, you and everyone around me, like I wouldn't be here without anybody w- with, without you and without the people who, who love and, and support me. And, and then looking down the, the road, what we've done for our kids mm-hmm. and, um, the, the freedom that, because we did a tremendous amount of work, you know, just proud
1: and it hasn't, I mean you you absolutely should be proud because it <laughs> it takes a lot of strength to stare down your abuser in court.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, especially when you're living under constant threat. And, you know, to be to be perfectly transparent, Biodad keeps filing motions. Yeah. Um, to the point where the judges started to look at him and say, if you keep doing this, I'm going to move all of these legal fees to you. Yeah. Like, holy crap, like, take the warning that you're getting here. Like, you keep filing phony motions that you keep losing. Like, this has to stop at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, and all of this, and again, all of this started because didn't want to sign papers to take responsibility for his parenting time and then tried to, uh, you know, dehumanize the existence of his child. I mean, that was the one thing I didn't mention, which I, I want to say that was the tipping point for you, though. Oh, yeah. Can you tell our listeners what that was the tipping point where you were like, okay, we're taking all of his rights. Um, yeah. When he told
0: her I might not be your dad. Yeah. 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 She had come back from, from parenting time and she, and and sibling too, were like, dad said that, you know, he might not be
1: 12 year old's dad. Well, and filed and then filed filed a motion with the court to force her into yeah. a DNA testing. you know,
0: he's got all the access to all the records in in the um and at one point the the doctors did actually block it because of the harassment that they were experiencing from him. But um so, you know, he was like saying that he wasn't getting updates from me about medical care and emotional care and um that he wasn't aware of a certain part of her transition that was happening and which is absolutely not, not true. And then filed uh, shortly after she did start a part of her transition, um, filed the motion to prove paternity and tried to say that someone else, was someone else dad. was
1: her dad, even reached out to, yeah, even reached out to that guy, to a a, a person who you've been friends with for 20 some years mm-hmm. was sending us pictures of his, Biological children saying, "Oh, they look like bio of like they look like our child." Yeah. I mean, this is the level that we're dealing with now, folks. Just as, just so you know, the court threw that out yeah. and said this is ridiculous that yeah. this person is doing it. And I and and that is a probably a big part of the reasoning why the judge said you can no longer have access to this child. This is sick, what you're doing. Yeah. Um. So that I'm sorry we didn't talk about the one piece and it was in your speech around he basically as soon as and and i want to just name to in a second what the transition piece is um kiddo started transition and immediately he said you're not mine yeah and started sending you and reached out to the guy and said i just have to know and the guy was like no idiot <laughs> no we were no, yeah we were friends we, yeah um but when we talk about kiddo and um, transition, just to be clear, mm-hmm. when a child, because she is still a child, yeah, she's a, she's a, a tween. Yeah. When a kiddo starts a child, what is it that they do that buys the kiddo time? Oh, they
0: can do uh, puberty b- blockers, which are literally like a, a pause button. And which is very different. And this is what I think some people confuse. They can, um, and, and blockers are actually used for even cis kids too. Yeah. Um, for, for, for cisgender kids who start puberty too early. And, and there's a a bunch of effects that, you know, things that can happen if, if a child does actually start, start too early. So it's a good thing on, on multiple levels, but, um, and then they start hormone therapy. You know,
1: when when they're if and when, when they're ready,
0: if and when they're ready, around when their peers do, and when it makes, when yeah.
1: So it, it, that, but this is one of the most common things, um, mis uh, that is misunderstood. Yeah, and and where the anti-LGBTQ rhetoric. And around the hate crime bills and stuff that, that has been unfortunately really successful is that when we're talking about gender affirming care, there's no surgeries happening here. Mm-hmm. There may never be any surgeries happening. We're in, and I hear that all the time from, from the, the people that just don't understand. They haven't yeah. done the work. They're just ignorant. They haven't done the work to understand what gender affirming care is, that there is a period of time that is a pause yeah. for a child to mature, to go through the mental health transitioning that they need, and for them to make decisions when they're older based on what's going to be best for them. Yeah, there, It is a really dumb Sorry, I'm being really... Again, this is my book, Why You Don't Want Me at Your Dinner Party. (laughs) It's a really ignorant... Stance to say that these kids are being medically or or operated on, like it's just not true. Yeah, you there. It doesn't happen. It is a pause button that gives a kid time to grow into who they are, and then to be able to make decisions of what they want to do with their body when they're older and more well informed. And also for these ignorant fuckers, look up how many kids detransition. Yeah, look at what that percentage is. It is five. Mm-hmm. And in that 5%, you don't know the reasons that they did. Yeah. It could have been that their family was so fucking brutal to them that they were like, yeah, not worth it. Gonna go back into the closet. Yeah. So, uh, again, why you don't want me at your dinner party? Because I'm gonna tell you all the things I'm just gonna say. It.
0: Yeah. Well, and I think it's really interesting how, and it's, it's, I, I can see how the, the vulnerability, gets manipulated you know kids in puberty teenagers in pub you know there's a there's that space between you know let's just whatever a 10 you know to 18 where it's basically like the teenage puberty years and so there's a such that vulnerable window and i use that word vulnerability on multiple levels you know like physically their bodies are changing you know emotionally cognitively you know they're developing in certain ways and and why the blockers are so important like you said it buys them time but then to deny a teen the gender affirming like the hormone therapy because you know bio dad was saying to our kid you can do this when you're 18 and no. I'm like that that's where the transphobia was coming into play cuz I'm like you are now blocking care for her, even the choice, because that window will be over and her body will go through the puberty that she does not want to go through,
1: Exactly, which
0: would have multiple um, implications for all sorts of things. So, you know, that's where I was, that's, I mean, for, for listeners, that's where I was like, oh, I can see down the road way further than he can. and and I got to like stop this,
1: which is why you are such an advocate and amazing parent is because you're thinking of those things, yeah, and you're also trusting, and again, I'm this is why you don't want me at your dinner party. you trust the medical professionals who do this for a living yeah. and have said, you you, you want to work with science here, yeah. And you know, essentially what that pause does, and you just said it really, really well, you don't want a child to have to go through puberty of a sex that they don't identify with yeah. and then having to face transition because it is so much harder for them. Mm-hmm. And so if we are centering the person that is impacted, which is this child, we buy the child time, yep. we work with the medical community, we trust the medical community, you put in therapists, You and you've said this really well, you get a team of experts around the kid that center what the kids ne- need. Mm-hmm. It's not what you need. It's not what bio dad needs. Mm-hmm. It's what she needs. Mm-hmm. And you put those trust. You put the trust into the professionals that know this. Yeah. Even though I know he thinks he's a lawyer, and and has. Even though I think he he must believe that he's a medical doctor, he's not. <laughs> neither are you. Neither am I. Mm-hmm. That's why you build a team of care around the kid. Yeah. It's just, I feel so much for you and I feel so much for parents that are going through this, um, with your kiddos, like we've been through it yeah, and we have amassed an enormous amount of information of resources of, I mean, you have, have navigated this all with so much strength and so much humility and so much beauty in it. Like who knows where our podcast goes sometimes or what purpose it serves, but this is why we do it. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Take a big deep breath. Because you've you you won.
0: Yeah. Not that it's about winning, but you did. Well, yeah. And and if if the name of the game is, you know, um making the world kinder and and better and freer for ourselves and those around us, you know, we did it. Yeah. So
1: Yeah, and we're gonna keep doing it. And we're gonna keep doing it. Because her life matters. Yeah, when they say like trans kids' lives matter, this is what we're talking about. <laughs> yeah, this is what we're talking about. It's not necessarily about what sport do they get to play or what bathroom they get to use. It's sometimes within their own family system, standing up and fighting against those that want to dehumanize. Yeah. So should we pause and end it on this note? Because you know what, we got a little brunch plan today. Hey, it's still Pride Weekend. Yeah, sure. Yeah, how you feeling? really,
0: really good. Yeah. Yeah. Just, um, sometimes I'm just, I'm just a little emotional on like, wow, you know, we really unearthed a lot and go back, you know, Pepper Vaughn, I'm to, to, to Pepper Vaughn, you know, I was in a, in a fierce funk dance workshop and that was his His line was the only way out is all the way in. Yeah, you you did go. You go all the way in to the dark, to the unknown, to the risk where you're, you know, you're going to find with the intent that you know you're going to find hope and peace and love and authenticity. And that a trans kid, just like cis kids, they're insistent, they're persistent, and they're consistent in who they are. And as you build that team and they talk to this person and that person and everything just aligns, it just, that's the quote unquote proof. It's yeah. all you need.
1: I'm going to end <laughs> our podcast on this note that pride is for everyone. Mm-hmm. It is for people who are out and it is for people who are still in the closet. Yeah, You don't need to be out to find pride and you don't have to be out to celebrate it. Mm -hmm. You come out when you're ready. Don't ever let anyone take your story away from you or your timing away from you of when you want to come out. Um, And allies pride is for you too. Mm -hmm. It's an important time for allies to stand, which we had two allies yesterday spend the day with us. And it was beautiful. It was yeah. beautiful to be, to have them be a part of our community with us. And they were wearing their gay shit and holding their flags and walking down the street chanting with us. And mm-hmm. a, a huge shout out to Susan and Andrea who did that with us yesterday. Um, but just remember, even if you, and because I know, I know you listeners and I know we got a lot of you that are like, I don't know if I'm ready to come out and yeah, that's okay. Pride is for you too, no yeah. matter where you
0: are in your journey. The energetic force of just when you see it, you can be it, you can feel it and it becomes real. And on, on, on the, for the trans community, you know, um, oh, I forgot what to say, but anyway, okay. <laughs> you want to pause for maybe It'll come back to you.
1: Come on universe. Come on, what, universe? It? what was it?
0: Um, so not coming to you. It's fine. Um. <laughs> we'll, we'll put all the, all the, the things in the description, if you want to reach out to us, please do share your stories. Um, as I said in in the speech, tell your story over and over and over again until you speak from the scar, not the wound. We want to hear what's going on for you. If you need anything, we will absolutely help and do as much as we can
1: mm-hmm.
0: with you, for you. Um, reach out to us at alex at howtobequeer.com or how to be queer podcast at gmail.com go find us on social media instagram facebook and youtube
1: oh for the love we're on youtube too
0: well it's a little sidebar like it's called queer family in family court
1: oh i didn't even know we were there so
0: i know i just kind of i I don't know (laughs) but i um i uploaded the speech onto that
1: I'm so glad you did. It was a huge moment of pride yesterday. Yeah. So I definitely like was looking at you on the capital steps and I, I'm not like a big crier, but I was like, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> Cause that's more in my vein, right?
0: <laughs> I'm looking at you like, that's my wife. Mm-hmm.
1: I love you. And listeners, I love you and happy, happy, happy pride. We'll be back to you in July.
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: So yeah. until then, enjoy the last days of pride. We are going to brunch.
0: Mimosa. Oh, heck yeah. Okay.
1: All right. Love Love you all, Balls of Magic.
0: Bye.